When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, before we start the episode, just want to say that we ended up going so long with ESPN's Courtney Cronin that we broke this one into two episodes. So you will hear the first part in which we talk about the Vikings defensive line and underrated stories. And then on Tuesday, the second part where she picks the entire Viking schedule. And there's a huge change in her win loss record from the first time she did it a few months ago. So let's get right into the episode. It's me, Sam Ekstrom, Courtney Cronin. Off we go. Hello, welcome to a Purple Insider Friday Roundtable. Matthew Collar, Sam Ekstrom, and ESPN's Courtney Cronin joining us this week what is up court not much how's your guys summer been i feel like i haven't seen you enough i know whose fault um, is that that's right. all your fault Honestly, you it's not my fault. i just run away i run away from minnesota in the summer <laughs> you leave it's not my i mean i don't have two little ones tying me down here diapers things like that i don't have a dog named nora who runs in circles and keeps you here so i've just been i don't actually i really haven't been that many places i went to florida and I've been in and, you know, back and forth from home a couple of times. It's just like these five weeks, I looked at my calendar and I was like, no, no, training camp doesn't start in two weeks. That's a farce. That's not true. And it does. And that's really scary. And it made my anxiety skyrocket. So I went into the fetal position. So um, I've come out of it. So obviously I'm here right now. I'm not currently like under my weighted blanket, like freaking out that training camp starts and life ends for the next 28 weeks after that. But it's a, it's been a summer, a quiet summer, which I think all of us can certainly appreciate the fact that the Vikings are not in limbo right now with Daniil Hunter. And we're on like watch of like, you know, a, there's no franchise tag players to watch for them this year. There's no Daniil Hunter holdout coming out. Like, I mean, at least they've solved that temporarily. Like now it's just kind of like, well, they've got a little cap space. What are they going to do? When are they going to do it? They've got some extensions to make. When are they going to do them? And uh, full go for July 28th. I'm looking forward to it. We were calling it earlier this week when we talked uh, the camp scaries, just like you know, people yes, get the Sunday, Sunday scaries, yeah. thousand percent. <laughs> I will be a wreck the night before as I lay out my fanny pack and get my sunscreen, my water bottle, my sunglasses, my binoculars. What else do I keep in there? Gum, first aid kit. Like I'm, I'm effectively like <laughs> a very low budget athletic trainer over here. But uh, I will absolutely be having the camp scaries the day before everybody reports. It hasn't been answered yet whether the best part of camp will be there this year, which is the snacks, because the PR staff true, was true. terrific about snacks in the media room before last year mm-hmm. when there were no snacks. I think there was bottled water and that was it. So if the snacks are back, that would alleviate my scaries tremendously. If the snacks are gone, then I'm just going to I'm going to be like getting the chills from now until July, oh, yeah. what, 27th, 28th. 
Yeah, if if we don't have, I mean, the media room could very well be open to us this year. I don't think that that's been decided one way or the other. And if it is, we're going to have, you know, a refrigerator. Like, oh my gosh, can you, I know this is like a little inside football for people who are listening at the moment, but to be able to be out there all day, because those who know around TCO Performance Center, there's not a whole lot. There's a Union Craft House, which is a sit-down restaurant. Matt and I have gone there, many a training camp where, like, I don't know, if we get to see walkthrough this year, because remember the old schedule in 18 and 19 when they first started doing camp there was, like, walkthrough, 9 to 10 a.m., Zimmer, and, like, one player right after. And then you had this break, this massive break for, like, three hours until, like, 1.30 or 2. We're like, what are we doing? Like, sitting and staring at each other in the media room trying to get work done. And you're like, man, I'm hungry. Well, there's either Jimmy John's or the Union Craft House. Uh, great food, but just kind of a faraway place. So like, I will very much appreciate being able to meal prep, keep some sanity, and bring it out and keep it in the fridge. And also, I mean, sometimes we have people who just bring really weird smelling food to the media room. And um, honestly, I've kind of missed that because it uh, <laughs> always provides good commentary when somebody blows something up in the microwave. <laughs> or uh, cooks fish on a piece of paper, <laughs> which I believe happened once. It was, it was on a piece of printer paper and it was salmon. We're going to get so many mailbag questions wondering who that was like, now. Oh, I wonder who. Like, oh man. Uh, last yeah. year, I was, carry, I was carrying mini Gatorades in my pockets. I was just like out that. there, right? It's just like, yeah, I, that's a mini Gatorade. I'm not happy to see you guys. Remember so like how far away I had to stand from you guys? Because like for a while, I was the only pool reporter. So like, I, I didn't even get one of the cool little beepy guys that, you know, would, if I got too close to somebody, it would just like set off like DEFCON level five alarms. But that was the worst part of training camp last year, because all of the nonsense that happens in training camp that, you know, if you're out there for like 16 days straight, you're laughing when like nonsense is happening. And I had to laugh on my own. Like that was a very disappointing part of training camp last year, me being the like loser standing by yourself while everybody else is having fun underneath that one little tent that's above like the you know the high point where you can look down at the field like it sucked i worried about you i mean that was our break from isolation and you didn't have the chance to like speak to human beings like we did so i i actually worried about you i was basically in quarantine at tco performance center it was honestly kind of sad because you know, I'd look over and see you guys, like, I see, like, somebody laughing, like, man, I missed a joke. What am I going to be out on now? Does that have anything to do with, like, Stephen Ridley? It better not. They better not be, like, using my lines and, like, using them without me. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I think I bounced back. I mean, we have plenty of jokes from minicamp and OTAs and everything else. I mean, there's always nonsense to go around, but it's just a camaraderie. Training camp, you're all on a grind. You're sweating profusely for, like, hours on end. And it's, you know, the, the cuts that they have this year, because I was looking that up earlier, I was doing some reading this morning, which, you know, to find that there's like three cuts this year, we have to be um, aware of, like just different from last year when they were just trying to figure out how they were going to construct a roster and all the practice squad rules for the COVID season. We've got a cut from 90 to 85 on August 17th, 85 to 80 on the 24th, and it goes 80 to 53 on the 31st. So there's going to be, there's, I mean, there's a lot at stake obviously for every team, but just like to be able to like for us to keep track kind of of how the roster is going to get whittled down here. Um, gosh, I just can't believe how soon that starts. Got to like really like lock in. 
Okay, caller. I'm gonna take over the show for a second. Here's the here's the game. Name the first five cuts. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, tough Borland. Come on, no, uh, no just, way. Just taking it all the way to the end. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, I just threw that out there because that was the first name that I thought of when I'm a, looking at a that grindy right now. linebacker <laughs> with Mike Zimmer is taking it all the way to the end. Um, I'm gonna look up the roster right now. Yeah, Can I do that? Yeah, I get a, I get a second to do that too. Um, okay, but no, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll get started. I'll get started. I think Amari Henderson. Okay. I think. Um, see, some I, of these guys are practice squad so material. Cor- yeah, I know they've got so many cornerbacks though. Like what you mentioned with Henderson, that that's somebody that you wave and maybe you end up like re-signing him to a practice squad after you know if he clears waivers or whatever. They've got like sixty-nine cornerbacks right now. They'll be fine. Like that's one of the craziest things about this team this year is that there are so many corners and yeah guys like Henderson like that's not like great depth or anything like that but that's certainly more than they had last year at this time I'm gonna Zach say Bailey yeah, okay I don't, uh okay yeah the offensive lineman I, yep. I'm gonna go with the offensive lineman from UB University of Buffalo that has a crazy last name that I've said like Make me learn it, guy, because I'm not I'm not learning it until you get past that first round of cuts. But Evan Kazarchek, maybe. I was going what? with Caesar Chick, but that's Caesar that's Chick? just my okay. interpretation. The, the, right. the, the K is definitely silent in that. It's like Shashevsky. Okay, let's just, just go with Shashevsky. That's the safest bet. <laughs> yeah, Evan, Evan Shashevsky. How about Cole Cabral? Like, got to have center depth though. He's mm-hmm. a center. Now that's true. They also have Mason Cole, though. Who was, the, is, who was the yeah. center that you obsessed over, Courtney? Who was that? Who was the um, guy? He was like the fourth string center, but he got in because everyone got um, hurt in 2018. Who was that? I know, I know what we're talking about. I know what we called him, but I don't remember his real name. It was 2018. Let me look. Hold on. I've got, I think, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, Cornelius Edison. Cornelius yes. Edison. Yes. 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 The grape. Great. Um, that was uh that was a good year. I think he's I think he stuck on somewhere else after he got cut here. Hey, he played in a game or two, like in his career with the Vikings. I think he did. Did he actually play? I think so. Wow, how about that? Yeah, I guess you never know who is going to end up mattering in some way or another. <laughs> yeah, Cornelius Edison, man, that brings me back to four years ago. Yeah, it does. Cool. Great time. Anyway. Okay, well, I think we nailed a couple of the people who will probably not be around for super long. Yeah, I mean, the first the first cuts, like, basically, your practice squad guys, uh, anybody that was never, was a camp body. But I, I, I do kind of like that they've established, like, the multiple cut dates, because I think it makes it easier. Because when you're trying to, like, project a roster, I wrote a 53 that I think runs on July 21st, which... You know, using the information we had from OTAs, using the information we had from minicamp, potentially who they may or may may still sign. I mean, there's several positions with the 14-ish million that they have in cap space that they could certainly address in the coming weeks. Um, it's It wasn't really, really difficult. The only position, I know we'll get to it on this episode, that I kind of had some... Um, you know, kind of going back and forth with this, but mostly just for like depth is a defensive line because they are fortunate. They have the numbers game works out for them very well, but it's like, what do they do at, you know, a certain, like, you know, a third string defensive tackle, third string nose, third string three tech. Like those are kind of like the 
those kind of tripped me up a little bit when I was projecting that out. But honestly, this 53, the hardest, the truly the hardest one coming down to was do they keep six or seven corners? What happens with Jeff Gladney? All these like question marks around the cornerback position, which is kind of a good problem for them to have when you have like, man, how are we going to whittle this one down versus like, what the heck do we have to work with here? Which was the situation last year. Which, by the way, uh, our friend Brian Murphy for Purple Insider broke the news of Jeff Gladney's grand jury date, which is in July 22nd. So then after they have their uh, uh, evidence presented against him, the jury has, I think, two days to decide whether they're going to take it to trial or not is how that works. And then if it goes to trial, there is no chance we see Jeff Gladney anytime soon after that. If it does not go to trial, then I guess we would probably see him. But, uh, you know, then then um, there could be a possibility of the Vikings suspending him, of the league suspending him. It, uh, yeah, there could there could be a lot of potential outcomes there. I yeah. wanted to use my best Hawk Harrelson voice here. I don't know if you, you guys are familiar yeah. with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. You guys are, he gone. Like, he's gone. Like, and I mean, that to me, like, with, with, with the story that Murph um, put out today, like, I don't see, because that's the one that kind of had, you know, some questions of, because there's a number of layers here. Like, whatever happens in the legal system taking over with Jeff Gladney, like, that's going to be how the NFL, they've been waiting on this. The Vikings have been waiting so patiently to figure out, okay, well, what's, are there going to be charges? Like, you know, is, is the, um, the female accuser, is she going to drop the charges? Like, what's happening here? Because you don't want sad nature of the NFL. You don't want to be the team. He has a lot of guarantees left. Remember, he only went through one season and he wasn't even like, he didn't have that great of a season. So it's not a no brainer of, man, we got to hold on to this guy till last minute. It's, he was a subpar first round pick at that, but there are millions of dollars in guarantees that you have tied up in this guy. If you cut him now, whatever happens in the legal proceedings, like he will face, I am, willing to take that to the bank. He will face a multiple game suspension from the NFL for the conduct policy. There's going to be another team that's willing to take a chance on him and take him at a very, 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 very steep bargain. Um, and you still would be on the hook for a lot of that. So I can fully understand why this has taken as long as it has. I feel like that's like a question I get in my DM or my um, Twitter mentions once a week, like what's going on with Gladney. Well, According to, um, you know, crime dog Murph there, because he went and sifted through the court documents because that's what he's excellent at. So great mm -hmm. pickup are you guys um, that we'll, we'll find out soon because of when the court proceeding is going to be. But I think the Vikings, I mean, there's been no resolution to this thing because the legal proceedings have moved so slow. But I can't even see this guy take I mean, if Holton Hill got a, two, two, two separate suspensions, but back to back eight games. Wouldn't you, and those, that was for PEDs and like, um, and for marijuana, like, wouldn't you think that this would be like minimum eight games? And why would you, I mean, outside of the fact that he's a first round pick, why would you hold on to him? Like when he's not going to be able to like, I mean, he's going to go on the commissioner's exempt list. Like there's a, there's a lot of gray area there. Well, there's also uh Brad Spielberger from PFF was mentioning to me that you can also, if you're the Vikings and he's suspended and you want to get rid of him for avoiding his contract mm -hmm. or or violating his contract, you can go after his guarantees sure. at that point too. You and can. I, and also people have asked this too, but Brad said you do get uh cap relief if he ends up being suspended. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there is a lot of moving parts to this, but it just, like you said, it doesn't sound like he's going to be here uh, anytime soon. So anyway, while Sam and I have been doing 
our underrated storylines. So why don't we begin where you mentioned the defensive line and the underrated storylines. I'm going to throw one out there and you guys react to it. Maybe underrated storyline is how does Daniil Hunter even look coming off of his neck surgery? Because when he returned with a new contract, it seemed that we all kind of went like, okay, well, there's 15 sacks that the Vikings have. But I think underrated storyline is, does he look like he is up to football shape that he talked about wanting to get into? Yeah, and he talked about slow playing that. Like, in no way, shape, or form did he say, yeah, I'm trying to rush myself back out there. Like, I'm ready to go right now. He said there's a difference between being in physical shape and having – he said 100% healthy when Sam asked him about that. But there's a difference between health and football health and football shape. And I think he is wise to – not rush anything. Like if we don't see him full go for a while, I don't think anybody should really be shocked by that. Like, and, and that's just going off of what he said. Like, do the Vikings expect him to like be ready this season? Yes, of course. But like, you've got, I mean, again, this is a neck injury. Like how different is he going to look? There's a reason that they structured when they redid his contract at the beginning of the week uh, ahead of minicamp. There's a reason that they didn't just say, like, all right, come on back. Here's a brand new deal. There's a reason they moved some money around, gave him no new money. They moved money around to give him some more of his um, signing bonus, converted some stuff to a signing bonus to give it to him now. But there's no new guarantees because they want to see how he looks this year. They want to make sure the investment they're making in somebody who just came off of a year missed due to a severe neck injury, so severe it caused him to have surgery after he exhausted all of his options went remember he went to New York to get the second opinion on the herniated disc um so that's going to be one like we almost assume like oh it's Neil Hunter two-time pro bowler 15 and a half sacks back-to-back years he's straight he'll be back like we have to like be like really cognizant to watch that closely to make sure like is he the same player yeah he's 26 years old I'm sure an injury like this that he had is probably better to have it at when he did at 25 versus 32, when a lot of pass rushers are entering their prime. So maybe his recovery will be a little bit more, I don't know, expedited or faster, but certainly something that I don't think is a guarantee to be like, man, yeah, expect him day one. He's going to be out there like teaching Christian Darisaw, like, you know, welcome to the NFL type moment. Like, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of get him in the groove. Yeah, if Darisaw wants to start week one, he probably doesn't need Daniil Hunter coming at him every play. No, that might be not good at for all. Darisaw. Um, couple things on that. You know, if if not for the social media videos that have emerged of Daniil Hunter, I might be scratching my head about why he didn't do anything at minicamp. And maybe there was a handshake, you know, when he when he sort of came back to the facility and agreed to the restructure. Maybe they said, All right, Daniil, we're not gonna make you put a helmet on. That could have been the case. Um, but Sheldon Richardson showed up day one in like a bulging number nine jersey that barely fit him. And he was on the field. So I was just kind of surprised we didn't see, um, you know, Daniil do anything in in minicamp. And I guess I, I don't know if I expect him to do much in preseason either, to be honest. That might be the type of player where you are going to handle him a bit with kid gloves. You're going to allow him to go at his pace. And if his pace is like a cautious one, then I think, I think the team has to kind of honor that, especially Mm -hmm. when, you know, they didn't give him really a raise as Courtney mentioned, they just sort of moved the money around. So he still probably is a little unsatisfied with what he's getting. I I do think Yannick Ngakwe is a little bit of a cautionary tale where he didn't do a lot, you know, last off season. And then I thought looked kind of rusty 
early in that season. And, you know, Daniil Hunter is probably a better, more disciplined pass rusher than Unique Ngakwe. But there probably is a little concern whether he can go, you know, 90% of the snaps in week one, week two, week three. And with the lack of depth they have at that position, that kind of opens the door for, I think, uh, a pretty subpar pass rush. Hey guys, I know we have all had this conversation at home. Are you really going to spend the whole day out on the golf course instead of being with the family? Well, that's what makes Birdie Golf so great. You can make it a family experience at Birdie Golf, bring the kids and still get in all of your swings. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and have a great time. And you won't lose any golf balls either, which is a good thing for me. There's also a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights, and every time Sam and I show up to record our podcast there, they make sure we have a great meal before we leave. Personally, I have become a big fan of the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. We've got a lot of those coming up. Check out Birdie Golf 494 and Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities Metro at birdiegolf, B-I-R-D-I golf.com or call 651-998-2200. I'll see you there. Hey everyone, training camp is on the way. Fans are going to be back in the stands, so you got to be ready with all your Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. There are so many designs that you can get on hats and t-shirts, including the John Randall design, which is extremely cool. There is also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, the can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com that is s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com everything screen printed here in minnesota and i can tell you the shirts are comfortable and they last a long time because at this point half of my closet is soda stick to be honest again that is sodastick.com minnesota sports inspired goods keep your eye out also for our soda stick giveaways yeah, and if you think about like recent history of guys who have been hurt and are coming back for something, like just go back. Mike Hughes spent his entire um, offseason working on the side. And then when he came back, it was a rusty situation. Uh, this happened with Pat Elfline when he had to be uh, recovering from an injury. And even Latavius Murray, when he first got here, remember how much they downplayed Latavius yeah. Murray's recovery. And, and then back to like week four, right? That's when we saw finally he got his burst back and how much we can ascertain from even just watching these practices about where Daniil Hunter stands will be interesting because I wouldn't expect to see him in preseason games, not coming off the injury. And then just, you know, this team with some veterans in past years has just not played these guys, which I think is smart. Like you don't want to get them hurt, but also I think us trying to figure out how far along he is will be kind of one of the storylines or one of the things that we're trying to figure out, but maybe hard to figure out during camp. Yeah, that's like, and you you heard it from him. Like he was not going to talk about that injury whatsoever when we asked him about how it happened. And that was his chance to be like, no, guys, it actually was a lot more serious than was let on. Like I think he's trying to play this smart because they 
you know, it was a good faith kind of like a handshake move with them of like, Hey, come back, do what you're supposed to do this year. Like we were going to pay you this off season. Had you played last like timeline wise, when he signed the extension in 18, this would have been, had he played last year, the season, the off season where they would have rewarded him handsomely. Like he is a $20 million a year pass rusher. Like you will eventually get that, but prove it to us. Like we just have to protect our investment. It's a business, but I think the reason, like what Sam was talking about, like I don't actually remember. Did Sheldon Richardson do anything? Like I kind of felt like he was out there in that very undersized number nine jersey and just kind of like he went through some of the individuals, like the patty cake drills, I like to call it, like whether it's a pass rushing hand drill. Like I know I'm minimizing it and football people would probably hate me for that, but whatever. It's a patty cake drill to me. Um, And then like, I mean, he did some individual stuff, but I don't really remember him out there in any of their sub packages. Do you like, he was there kind of just moving around, but none. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he was probably individuals only, but yeah. it was still a step still above what Daniel was doing. Sure. Daniel had the visor, which has yeah. become very familiar. Anonymous the last couple with of years. like, um, I'm not doing anything. I'm just here. So I don't get fined effectively, but uh, yeah. no, I mean, I think this is kind of why I anticipate they'll have to sign somebody else for depth because you just don't know. We just don't know where Daniel is in his recovery at this point. And we're not, I just, I don't think that we're going to end up seeing a whole ton either way um, to know like kind of where he's coming off of the injury, because they're going to be protective too of we're not going to, you know, try to get you hurt in camp or ha- like, because we realize like it literally made it nosedive the season last year after they lost him, which is kind of crazy to think about when it's like one, usually it's a quarterback losing a quarterback. will do that to you. Well, losing your franchise defensive end with this defense team that's predicated on its pass rush did that as well. So I think they have to like, that's they've learned from last year that they have to go really slow and not rush him along with that because it's, again, it's an injury he's never dealt with. It's your neck. Like it's not like an ACL or an ankle or an Achilles even like, you know, those are all very serious, but this is something that like literally, what do you do as a defensive end? You slam your body into the quarterback after you bend your body around an offensive tackle to get to the quarterback. Like there's the movement aspect, seeing him go at full speed. And I'm sure he's doing some of that. Like Sam, I I know what you're talking about with like the training videos and stuff he's posted on social media. Um, That's all well and good, but to see him do it against tackles, I think is going to be even at like, Gosh, even in like that that joint practice against the Broncos would be probably beneficial. I, I at this point, I don't know how much he's we would even be seeing him, um, you know, at full speed or anything like that when they're in pads. Right. Uh, we we're gonna need me doing a yelling thing for the show, like Daniil, watch. So like that's what we're gonna do on a daily basis. Just how much is Daniil actually doing? Uh, underrated storyline number two that I have is. You know how they have all these uh, little, I don't know, limericks about uh, how, you know, competition breeds success. Iron sharpens iron, all these silly things. Um, Will any of them be true about the depth defensive linemen? Like, will competition ramp up Jalen Holmes or Hercules Mataf or or just anyone? Like, Kenny Willekes is going to be back. Patrick Jones. Like, there is quite the battle. But will anyone matter is, I think, underrated. We know like, oh, they're, you know, they're going to be working it out for that other defensive end spot. But will anyone else make us care about them? 
So when we did our 53-man projection after OTAs, Matthew, I thought in my head they'll probably keep 10 defensive linemen, but I only put through nine because I just don't think there's anyone who deserves that final spot until they prove it to me. I'm looking at defensive end. The two rookies I think you have to keep, Patrick Jones, Janarius Robinson, third and fourth round pick, Daniil, Weatherly, you signed to have a big role, and Wanham. Those are five locks. Number six is between Hercules Mata'afa, who is somehow on the team for a fourth year, um, and I still don't know what position he plays or or what his job is. Um, Jalen Holmes was the most ineffective defensive end on like a sack per snap basis last year because he had zero of them. He had zero sacks. Um, Kenny Willickus, we have no idea. Jordan Brailford is a person. Of those four, I'm uninspired by all four, literally. So then you look to tackle and you say, well, I – I guess Jalen Twyman, maybe like if he's healthy enough, and that's an underrated storyline for me, is he going to be able to participate from his, you know, the the random terrifying shooting that he was a part of? Can he participate? Can James Lynch do anything? Because they kind of, you know, Richardson takes up a spot there as well. Yeah. So you've got kind of a, a lot of fledgling defensive ends, defensive tackles that are in that like third year, fourth year range who've done very little to this point in their career a lot of guys don't get that kind of leash I mean this is the last chance for I think a number of them um and I don't know who like deserves it at this point so it's kind of a a war of attrition like who's going to be standing at the end is anyone going to get hurt is any are any spots going to open up because I, I don't know if I've seen a lot from any of those candidates that that get me excited about like a sleeper kind of stepping up to the plate yeah, the day that they signed Sheldon Richardson, to me, that signified, if I'm James Lynch, like, damn it. Like, <laughs> I went through all this, and, like, I thought I would have had a spot as, like, you know, a backup rotational rusher, and then they go and get this, like, freakishly athletic three technique who, oh, by the way, is now in a reserve role. Like, you know, that's – I felt like that was kind of the writing on the wall. So, like, when I did my 53, and I'll read it to you just for the defensive linemen – like the obvious ones, you have, I, I picked 10 too, Sam. Um, I had Hunter, Tomlinson, Pierce, Weatherly. So if I'm penciling it in as of right now, that would be my starting four. Then I had Richardson, Wanham, Holmes, Jones, Armand Watts. And I went Twyman over. Um, Robinson? I, I, did, I, I, I didn't write this because we don't do practice squad, but I had Robinson going to the practice squad, which, yeah, yeah the fourth-round pick is, is pretty tough. But I picked um, Twyman over um, – who was I just talking about? This is like summer mode. Lynch? Yeah, I picked Twyman over Lynch. Yes, they both got some second-team reps. Um, I'm, I'm really basing this off of what I, I saw in minicamp. And it's like, do you take the six-round pick – with higher upside. And yeah, you drafted him as like an undersized kind of tweener position. Um, And they like that. Like they like an athletic guy. I mean, he is probably smaller than what you'd want at that, but do they see traits of an athletic interior pass rusher that could potentially play out? And if he does recover within the timeline, I mean, his agent Drew Rosenhaus said that, you know, the four times he was shot, like, let's not underrate that. That's like not something just like, Oh, like a week later, I'm fine. Like, yeah, he's, they said full recovery, but, like, how long does that recovery go? Like, will we even see him in training camp? Like, you've got to take care of that stuff first. That sounds like a pretty serious incident that he went through. But I think upside-wise, like, over the fourth-round pick who kind of struggled last year in James Lynch, 
um, that you'd go with like this year's six rounder. Uh, but there's a lot that's unknown there. Like, has Armand Watts going into year three done anything to impress you to be like, yeah, he should get a spot over someone like a Janarius Robinson, your fourth, uh, one of your fourth round picks from this year? Probably not, but I was basing it off the fact of like what they like with him and where they've played him before. And since the interior was such a problem last year in terms of like the pass rush, maybe you bulk up in terms of numbers there of how many tackles versus ends you're going to have on the roster. And I still firmly believe that they're not done addressing like the defensive end position via free agency. I went and took a look kind of like at who's out there right now. It's very, very slim pickings, but it's totally like you can, you can get some like cheap guys out there um, to be able to, you know, you know, fill up that spot. Maybe it's somebody that's kind of that hybrid outside linebacker who could play in this, um, you know, play in, in a role like this. I mean, I went, the names are not very good right now. Um, I went through it. I mean, heck like Everson Griffin's still out there. Do I think that he would end up re-signing with the Vikings? I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of had, I'd heard, you know, uh, local radio and all this stuff around the area that like he wants to come back. Like, would they do it? I don't know. But they they have the money to go sign sign another edge rusher, and I think that that would end up shoring up the ten and probably dropping one of the guys that I had on my list. You I went that? through the the available free agents just real quick, and I think the the highest PFF grade from last year remaining was like Jabal Sheard, and I think he was like fiftieth. Yeah, so it's, that that support to your claim that it's slim picking. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Is Melvin Ingram, he hasn't been signed yet, has he? No, neither he or Olivier Vernon Olivier has. Olivier Vernon's still out there. Both um, guys are coming off significant injuries, mm-hmm. though. That That's the thing. Like, do you want to bring in somebody as sort of a roll of the dice? Uh, now, here's another one, and this could be our last one before you pick the schedule, because that was that's the plan. Um, because you haven't picked the schedule since they've made a bunch of signings, so we need yeah. to do that. The last one that I have is Stephen Weatherly. Like, I think he's got a little bit of a target on his back here. I mean, that, that it, as we look at these other defensive ends, if Steven Weatherly does not beat out DJ Wanham, you could look at the Patrick Jones, the Janarius Robinson, the Kenny Willickis and say, sorry, man, we're, we're just going to have to go with the younger guys as the backups rather than you, because look, he had zero sacks in nine starts last year for Carolina. And if you, have him in training camp. And I know that Andre Patterson is a big fan, but if you have him in training camp and he's not beating out these other guys, we could see it go 
Anthony Zettel, Dayton Jones, sure. whatever, you know, th- this seems to happen with one guy a year that they bring in and we all go, Oh, he's going to do this, 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 this. And then he doesn't make the team. The, he only signed a one-year deal and 500,000 of that was guaranteed um, of the $2.5 million contract. But that's not a lot of money to, to, to forego on somebody for like, okay, we had him for OTAs and minicamp. We didn't know what was going to happen with Daniel Hunter, et cetera, et cetera. And if he doesn't perform, if someone like a DJ Wanham ends up beating him out, that could be your veteran on the bubble. Like everybody wonders who are the veterans that are on the bubble. I think it's more clear cut. If you look at like a Drew Samia, for example, like to me, that's a no brainer uh, of somebody that like is at the top of the list, but Steven Weatherly, you make a good point considering what he didn't do in Carolina last year and just kind of what, you know, the competition that he has behind him. Like if Wanham is as good as they have, have touted him to be in terms of his development and being like Daniil Light and, and, you know, panning out to be what they drafted him as what they thought he could be, then that could really put some serious competition at that other defensive end spot. And, you know, Certainly with Patrick Jones, I mean, they spent a third round pick on the guy, like according to Patrick Jones, he watches like 25 hours of film on all like the top (laughs) pass rushers every single week and tries to like mimic their pass rushing moves. So I am thoroughly excited for that battle to see what he brings to the table to see like, I'll be like, oh, is that TJ Watt? Oh, wait, that's unique and Gakway there. No, no, wait, it's actually Patrick Jones. And he's the combination, like throwing all these moves together. Um, But that one is, I mean, the, that's a, one of the top position battles of camp, right? Like if you were to put your top three, it'd be defensive end out opposite of Daniil Hunter. Um, probably, God, the wide receiver. Receiver, yeah. Wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like a toss-up behind like figuring out who starts opposite Patrick Peterson. You know, is it Bashad Breland? He has a ton of experience. He won a Super Bowl. Is it... Cam Dantzler, who had like one of the best rookie seasons of a rookie corner once he, you know, once like he got through kind of like the bumps and bruises and actual injuries, like bumps and bruises early on, like there's not that many like secure, like non-secure positions, except, I mean, the defensive end ones are just like huge. And I don't think it's a lock for Weatherly at all right now that he's on this team, that he could be on the team in, in the fall. Yeah. Great points all around. A couple counterpoints to that, that I think will hold some weight. Number one is that the Vikings tend to have an attachment and a loyalty to their guys. Um, Andre Patterson in particular, I think will love having Steven Weatherly back because he speaks the language. He fits his prototype. And even if Weatherly isn't playing well to our eye, that hasn't always seemed to matter. Um, and I'm on record as saying that the Odenabo for Weatherly swap, if you will, was not a good one for the Vikings. I think Odenabo has been oh. a better player. He signed for the exact same. Not, he's deal. not a fit in New York either. Like, so I don't know what the hell they were doing and like thinking, oh, this guy's gonna be like a three-four outside linebacker. What? Like, yeah. okay, that's, that's their problem. Like, I'm not, I'm not tripping around. That's their problem. It just made no sense to me whatsoever. He's not a fit in that defense. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, that seemed like an easy tender to me, which just to bring back Odenabo at slightly more than than two point five million, and apparently they didn't want that. So that that did surprise me. Um, number two, I just think there's too much youth in that group to let a veteran go, like Weatherly, yeah. even though he's not stellar when you look at his numbers um, or his analytics. Um, if you get rid of him, you know you're obviously counting a ton on Wanham, but then behind that. 
you would have probably a rookie as your number three, or maybe like, I guess a Holmes who I've kind of, you know, pilloried here. Cause I don't think he's very good. Um, I don't think Mata Afa is all that good. And Willikis is a complete wild card. So you have so little that's, that's certain behind Weatherly, who I guess if he knows the techniques and the playbook, that's something that they can work with. Otherwise, you don't have a lot. And if Hunter is going to be less than 100%, that's another factor, another reason why you would want to have someone who, who has institutional knowledge. So while I agree that Weatherly should not be immune to being on the chopping block based on his track record, I think that sort of the the lack of depth they built up around him will will kind of ensure that he's going to be on the team. And he seemed pretty confident that he was going to have a big role. Like when we when we talked to him on that introductory presser, he was saying it was going to be different. You know, this time around, he felt like he was brought in for a reason. And I, I know that guys can get kind of filled up with hot air sometimes when they sign and the team can lead them to believe one thing and then totally change their mind. But I tend to think he's here to stay. I'm I'm about 75% on that um, with the right to change my opinion as soon as uh, I see as soon something As they different. sign a defensive end somewhere <laughs> Yeah, else. when they bring in uh, my, my boy Jabal Sheard to uh, <laughs> to help him out. Yeah, good, good points. And uh, also you're right about sometimes they fall in love with certain guys to their detriment. And they say, we're going to stick with this guy no matter what. And we saw that last year of saying, no, no, we trust Shamar Stefan to make a position switch when he wasn't really a starter to begin with. And like, okay, he's not even a starting three technique. Now you're asking him to play an even harder position that really did not work at all. And uh, we saw that with them moving on and, and increasing their talent at that position by quite a bit. So that's a good point, Sam. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that. We're going to stop that right there before we get into the win-loss predicting from Courtney Cronin. Make sure you listen on Tuesday. That's when that episode is going to drop the second part of our conversation with Courtney. So we'll catch you next time on Purple Insider.